You're watching City Channel 4, your window to our community. Today I'm talking with Lieutenant Brandon Smith of the Iowa City Fire Department and we are talking about home safety tips to, to remain safe during the holidays, but actually all of these points apply any time of the year. So can you start off just telling me how, um, how can I keep safe in the kitchen? What are some pointers that I should keep in mind? Well, first of all, Mary, cook with caution. Um, you should never cook whenever you're drowsy, uh, you're under, on medication that might cause you to be sleepy, or if you've been drinking alcohol. Okay. Um, and so I'm cooking. What do I need to keep in mind so I don't burn the place down? Keep anything that can burn away from the stovetop. For instance, these towels, uh, if they were sitting up here on the counter, you want to keep them away from the stovetop as far as you can. Mm -hmm. um, here in front of the stove is okay. But if they were actually sitting up here on the counter, you would want to keep them as far away as you could. Uh, other things like paper towels. Uh, sometimes we have paper towels sitting right next to the stovetop. They start on fire easily, so we want to keep them back as far as we can. Um, other things, potholders. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes children be playing in the kitchen, which is also not a very good idea. They'll bring toys in there. They may set them down on the counter. You want to make sure that right. stuff is clear. Sure. And I can imagine a packaging from food that you're preparing, you know, the box of noodles. You might want to get that to the recycling bin right away. Absolutely. <laughs> can I leave something boiling or when I've seen things that say you need to turn things off yeah. if you're going to step away from the stove, but that could mess up my, my recipe. What? Yeah, it can. So uh, the key is whenever you're grilling, broiling, or frying, you should always stay with whatever you're cooking. Okay. If you have to leave the kitchen, you should turn that fryer off and remove it from the heat until you can return. Thing is, you're using animal fats a lot of times when you're frying, broiling, anything like that. And if it gets too hot, it'll ignite and start on fire. Okay, but when you're just doing some basic water-based, sure. As here we're doing right now, uh, we have a, a pot of boiling water, and if we need to leave uh, for a short time, it's okay because it's a water-based cooking. But it's also a good idea if you're going to be gone for an extended point of time to uh, actually. Right turn that off. Don't actually leave the house. Maybe no, just the yeah. room and come back in. Exactly. <laughs> okay. But you know, there are a lot of distractions. Any, any tips yeah. on how to keep your focus? Absolutely. A timer is a great way uh, to keep you refocused. Actually, mm. if you set that timer um, to remind you that you do have something cooking on the stove, uh, that you'll hear that ding. Oh, guess what? I've got to go back and take care of the stove. Make Good sure point. there's nothing going to burn. And a lot of microwaves and stoves or uh, ovens have timers Absolutely. with them. Uh, so what happens if I do have a fire on my stovetop? Great question, Mary. First thing is you just want to get out. Get out, stay out, and close the door behind you. If you do decide to fight the fire, you want to make sure that you leave yourself an out and everybody else is getting out before you. Okay. Um, the one thing that you can do is if you have an oven mitt handy and you have a fire in the pan like we would have here, grab a lid and put a lid on it. That will protect your hand. That will help cover the flames. But after you do that, then you need to get outside and then call 911. Okay, get out first. Get the fire department coming. Exactly. Okay, well what about if there's an oven fire? Very good question. If you have an oven fire, turn the heat off and leave the door closed. A lot of times if there is an oven fire that it 
just turning that heat off, removing that heat source, and leaving the door closed will quench that fire, basically. Okay. It kind of sounds like most of your tips have to do with cutting off the air supply to the fire. Exactly. So close, cover the pan, close the oven, close the door to the outside. It makes a lot of sense if you yeah. think about it. It does. So let's talk a little bit about how to make sure your kids are safe. Ah, when yes. You're cooking. Whenever you're cooking in the kitchen, you want to maintain a three-foot safe zone. That okay. means three feet in front of that okay. stove, allowing nobody within that zone other than the person that's cooking. Okay. It's even a better idea just to not have any of the kids playing in the kitchen, mm -hmm. anything that's, you know, anybody could trip or something like that. I just want to make sure that they stay out of the kitchen. Sure. Sometimes, though, kids can sneak in and reach. Any tips? Yeah, absolutely. Whenever possible, you want to try to use the back burners. So keeping those pans, pots and pans, on the back burners. That will help prevent, you know, if you do have the kids coming in here, bumping into something and knocking mm -hmm. it off the stove. Mm -hmm. Or reaching up and touching something hot. Yes, absolutely. Now, during the hallway, holidays, we sometimes don't have that luxury. We have yeah. to use all those burners. Uh -huh. If that's the case, just want to make sure that you keep those pot handles turned in. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Thanks for sharing about uh, safety tips in the kitchen. Let's um, move on to other parts of the house and maybe we can talk about more safety tips. Sure. So tell me what you have brought today to show me. I have brought with me my family escape plan. Uh, basically, this is just an overhead map of our house. And this one particularly is for my son's bedroom. Mm -hmm. And it shows two ways out of his bedroom in the event there was a fire in the house. Uh, this is just a blown up makeup of it obviously but we post one of these uh, by the door um, in each one of the bedrooms um, so that they know where you go um, and you can see that the first way out is down the hallway and out the front door mm -hmm. okay uh, if that is blocked by smoke or fire then he knows he can't go down that way right. so the second way out will be out his window and then out to our meeting place um, we have a large tree out in the front, in the front of the house um, that we designate as our meeting place. Um, once we go to the meeting place, we go out there and we wait for all the other family members to get out there. We never go back inside for anything um, or each other. We just stay out there and wait. Okay. Um, if someone has a cell phone, uh, they can call 911 once they get outside. Otherwise, we'll go to the neighbors. We'll call 911 for the neighbor's house um, and get the fire department coming. Okay. And so, if I understand correctly, each of these has their own separate little map to show where they would go. Like this bedroom, you've got the red line coming out from here and maybe one of the windows. Correct. Yeah, this is, this is my bedroom. And so, my map would have the number one here with a line coming out the front door and then a number two at the window and then going out that way. Mm. So, mm -hmm. And uh, if we obviously have a one-story home. If you do have a two-story home, you do the same thing, except if your bedroom is on the second floor, like in a lot of two-story homes, mm -hmm. uh, you obviously can't jump out the window. Um, so what you would do in that instance is just open your window, turn your lights, make sure you have your lights on in the room, obviously, and stay by the window and scream shout for the fire department, make sure that they can see you. Because okay. when we get there, that's actually my job. The first thing that I do when I arrive on scene is I make a 360 of the house and I look in each one of the windows uh, for any people in there or any fire conditions, and then we can formulate our plan from there. So if I see somebody there, 
we'll take a ladder, we'll throw it up to that window and get that person out. Okay. So if you're on the second floor, if you can get down the stairs and out, you do. Right. And if, if you can't, then you just stay there, open the window and scream. Yeah. Now, uh, do you practice opening these windows and getting out of them? Yes. Uh, that's the one thing, too, is the, especially with kids, they need to know how to open those windows. Even um, adults, actually. Even adults sometimes, <laughs> too. Yeah, and, and there's so many different types of windows out there. They have the crank out, and you have the slide to the right, slide to the exactly. left, push up and down. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's very important to have a plan. But it's even more important, just like in school or anything else, is to yeah. practice that plan. Okay. Well, how do you suggest that families get started making their escape plan? Uh, sit down at the kitchen table, just like we are right now. Mm -hmm. Bring the family together. Um, decide that we're going to make an escape plan. And draw out very simple you know, floor plan of the house for every single room and floor of the house. And uh, have the kids be very, if you have children, have them make sure that they're interact, interacting with you so that they understand what this plan is for. Mm -hmm. um, and then once you have the plan written out, uh, it could be on just a plain letter-sized piece of paper, then it's time to practice it. Mm -hmm. So have them go to their bedrooms, um, push the test alarm or the test on the smoke alarm so that they hear the smoke alarms, have them crawl out of bed, you know, open the door to look to see if there's any smoke or fire down the hallway, um, and then use that first way out if it's clear. If it's not, they want to make sure that they close the door behind them, grab their covers off their bed, throw them at the base of the, the door, and then go out the window. Mm -hmm. Do you have any exceptions for when you have children, say, that are three years old and can't open their windows? Um, I honestly don't know I'd be comfortable just running outside without my yeah, three-year-old. Yeah, so in, in that instance, then, it's either adult or an older sibling, their responsibility to, you know, they know that they need to try to get to that room to get those kids out. Okay. Otherwise, um, you know, if you, you're unable to access that room, then once you get outside, that's the main thing you want to do is tell the fire department right away that there's somebody in that room okay. that we can get access to them. Okay, well... I know I need to make my family escape plan with my family, so hopefully we'll get that done pretty soon. Great. Um, why don't we head down to the family room now and talk a little bit more about more safety tips on how to keep safe in the rest of the house. Sounds good. So now let's talk a little bit about, uh, more specifically, some safety tips for the holidays. Mm -hmm. um, now my, my first question is about Christmas trees. Um, my family, uh, personally, we, we still get real Christmas trees. That, that one's not real there, but nope. <laughs> and a lot of people don't get real Christmas trees anymore. But uh, those who do, I think, might need some safety tips. So can you sure. let us know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a fresh-cut Christmas tree that has green needles, and the needles do not fall off when you touch them. That's the best tree that you could get to start off with. So making sure when you're picking that tree that it's fresh cut. Okay, so even when you go to the lot to find your tree, you already have to be thinking about your fire safety tips. Absolutely. Not every time that you go to that lot you're going to a uh, tree farm. You could be going somewhere else that has mm -hmm. cut the tree somewhere up in Canada two, two months ago or a month ago. They bring it down and by the time it gets to you, it's already dried out. Okay, so you really need to check it out. Yeah. Okay, so then when you get at home, um, what do sure. you do then? Uh, it, you want to start by cutting at least two inches off the base of the tree okay. and then making a cross cut. That will help the tree um, absorb water once you put it in the stand. Okay, so you need to cut off and make a cross cut? Yeah. 
Just giving more surface area to soak up the water? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So just a small cross cut in the base of the tree. Um, and then make sure that you add water to the base once you put the tree in there. Mm -hmm. And you need to water that tree at least once daily. Uh, when you first start out, you'll find out that the tree will soak up a lot of water. Um, and a lot of times you may have to water it twice a day. Oh, wow. Yeah. If you're like me, that you have a dog that likes to drink out of it, you may even have to water it three oh, times a day. Oh, another thing to think about. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, does it help to use hot water? Um, just regular cold water um, with no additives. There are some things out there on the internet where people, you know, give uh, suggestions on how to make the tree soak up more water. Just straight old plain water, tap water. Great. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, let's talk about decorating. Sure. Uh, any tips, anything hidden in there that we might need to keep in mind? Absolutely. First of all, you want to make sure that you're using Christmas lights that are rated for indoor use only. Okay. Okay. Um, there are some that are indoor and outdoor use, but you want to make sure that if you have outdoor lights that they're being used in the outdoor setting only. This set of lights here has a label on it and it says right here for indoor use, indoor and outdoor use. Also notice that it has a UL listing. You want to make sure that it's been tested by a third-party laboratory. Okay. That way you know you're getting good quality lights. Okay. Okay. But this is rated for indoor and outdoor. Correct. So it's fine either way. Right. Okay. Then the next thing you want to do is test your lights, plugging, plugging them into a wall outlet to make sure that they work correctly, um, that you don't have any light bulbs that are shorting out, that are dimming, coming on. That's an indication that you have an electrical problem with your lights. If that's the case, you need to find out which one of those light bulbs the problem is in mm -hmm. and then have it replaced. You also want to take the time to look through the, the strand of lights just to make sure that you don't have any wires that are cut, frayed, or the protective covering mm -hmm. is actually cut on there. Mm -hmm. And then as you're doing that, you also want to look at each light to make sure that the glass is not broken on any of the lights and that the filament's showing because that would be a obviously a uh, cause for a fire, especially on a real tree. Sure. Well, they look good to me. <laughs> can, we, uh, can we just plug them in one after the other? Um, actually, there is a maximum amount of strands that you can, with the mini, mini light bulbs, uh, you can only plug in three strands back to back. Oh. And if you have the screw-in type bulbs, the recommendation is only 50 of those individual light bulbs before um, you have to use a different outlet. Okay. Okay. And then if you're using the, the LED type, which is which are the new light mm -hmm. bulbs, these mm -hmm. are the old uh, incandescent type light bulb, uh, they recommend that you check on the label on how many of those strands that you can actually plug oh, into each other. Okay. Because they have, they're different as far as how many light bulbs there are per strand and, mm -hmm. and how much uh, mm -hmm. electricity that they use. Okay. So the basic tip here is look at the Look at the label. Absolutely. <laughs> and limit how many are yes. connected to each other. Yep. Well, before we get too much further into this, um, I'd like to know how to figure out where to put my tree. Sure. Um, well, first of all, whenever you place your tree, you do not want to block your exit to your home. So you don't want to place it in front of an exit, the front door, wherever it is. So that's even if I'm not intending to use that exit during winter, like my porch. I still don't want to put it in front of it. 
Absolutely. They, that may be one of your exits from your home if there was a fire in your house. Okay. So you never want to block an exit with a tree or anything for that matter. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is, is that you want to make sure that you place the tree a minimum of three feet from any heat producing appliance, okay. such as fireplace, sure. um, a register, mm -hmm. uh, even your uh, forced air furnace vents, you want to make sure that you keep the trees at least three feet away from that because that makes the tree dry out even quicker. Oh, okay. Uh, candles, if you have candles, you want to make sure that you keep them at least three feet away from any candles as well. Now, I sometimes want to put my tree closer to a, an outlet Mm -hmm. Because I, I have strings of lights that are going to be heading there. Sure. Um, but what if I'm following your, your tips to mm -hmm. stay safe and I can't get it close to an outlet because I've got other things there? Great question. In that instance, you're going to want to use a power strip. Not an extension cord? Not an extension cord. You never want to use an extension cord. Extension cords are for temporary use only. Such oh. as you have a power drill, you plug mm -hmm. a power drill in, use it for a little bit, then you unplug it. Okay. The reason that's being uh, is because there is no surge protection or there's no built-in overload protection such as in this surge protector that has a circuit breaker right here on the top of it. Uh -huh. So if this were to be overloaded, it would pop this uh, circuit breaker out and shut the power down to mm -hmm. whatever you're plugging in. Mm -hmm. So in the instance that you were talking about, you could plug this in a ways uh. away and then plug your strands into here and you also have yeah. them protected by a circuit breaker at that point. Okay. The other thing that you don't want to do is plug an extension cord into a surge mm. protector. Uh, surge protectors can be overloaded as well if you start using other uh, extension cords plugging them into it. So you want to make sure that you just plug directly into a surge protector and plug it directly into a wall. Okay. Is there anything else I need to keep in mind about the lights on my tree? Sure. Um, whenever you go to bed, you want to make sure that you turn those lights off. Mm -hmm. uh, or even if you leave the house, you want to turn those lights off. Um, one other thing that you could use is a timer. Uh, you plug the tree into a timer or the lights into a timer and then it automatically shuts those, those lights off at specific times throughout the day or night, whatever that may be. I imagine they're not too expensive at some hardware store. Probably not. I would guess probably any more than five or six dollars. So. Okay. Do you know if anyone still puts candles on their trees? Um, unfortunately, I think there might be a few people out there that do it, but it's ill-advised to uh, put lit, lit candles on trees or anywhere near it, just because mm -hmm. it, they can light, mm -hmm. they can start on fire so mm -hmm. easily. It's such a pretty idea. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I think that there are lights, strings of lights that look like candles too that you can there get are, absolutely. clip yeah. onto the branches. And they, they actually look pretty good. They look like they're lit candles. <laughs> okay, well that's a, that's a good alternative then. Great alternative, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to disposing of the tree. Okay. Anything that we need to keep in mind then? Uh, yes. So you want to make sure that you get the tree out of the house immediately after Christmas. You don't want to leave it sitting in the house any longer than it has to be because a lot of times the pine needles, they dry out and it's an extreme uh, fire hazard. A lot of people like to leave them in their house as long as they can, you know, because it's the holidays. But, um, you know, we love the holidays, but it's also a time when um, bad things happen with fires. A lot of cities actually have recycling programs. Um, here in Iowa City, there is a recycling program. Usually about two weeks after the, uh, the new year, 
there's about a two-week period in there where the city, if you put your tree out at normal collection times, they will actually come and pick the tree up for you. But that timing is okay? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, as long as you're getting it out, out of the house oh, and away okay. from the house um, immediately after Christmas. It's just going to wait Christmas. outside for a little while yeah. until it gets picked up. Unfortunately, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, I saw that you had some candles and detectors here. Yeah, I brought with me. Uh, first of all, this is just a standard smoke alarm. Um, the important thing about a smoke alarm is that we have them um, and mm. that they have batteries, okay? Uh, they need to be on every level of the home, one outside of the sleeping area and one inside of the sleeping area. That's when you're best protected, okay? okay. Mm -hmm. And we test them at least once a month uh, just by pushing the test button. Okay. Uh, when you push the test button, it should sound like that. We know that it works. That was, okay, great. Yeah, so <laughs> we know that it works. Uh, the other interesting thing about smoke alarms now is that they have a 10-year life. So there is a manufacturer date on the back of them. This one here was manufactured on December 1 of 2011. Okay. So, so in 2021, we need to change that one. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of new smoke alarms now actually come with a 10-year battery. So you need to know what kind of battery's in there. If you just oh. open the back cover and you look in there, uh, it'll say right on on the battery, uh, lithium 10-year battery. This is just a plain old 9-volt So that energizer. one needs to be... Change every, every year. Mm -hmm. when, we, uh, when we change the clocks back. Change clocks back, we change our battery. Mm -hmm. Yep. Another good thing to have in the home is a carbon monoxide alarm. Yes. Uh, carbon monoxide is an odorless uh, gas that we can't see, and it's a silent killer, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and if you have gas-producing appliances in your home, such as a fireplace, uh, water heater, furnace, um, sometimes if they can get out of whack with the burners and they can create uh, extra carbon monoxide than normal. Um, this will wake you up in the middle of the night, let you know that you have carbon monoxide in your house. It's set for a specific level um, that'll give you enough time that you can get out. Um, Where should you place these in your home? Oh, good question. Uh, these are good to have in your sleeping areas, obviously, because mm -hmm. typically that's where you would be um, and it's not realize you're getting woozy. Exactly, because you can't smell it and you won't know that. It's going to wake you up and let you know anyway. that. Yep. Okay. And then once this goes off, just like a smoke alarm, you get out of the house, call 911, let them know. Okay. Okay. 911 for carbon monoxide too. Absolutely, yep. Okay. And when you call for uh, carbon monoxide, they're going to send out the fire department as well as the gas company. Mm -hmm. uh, they're gonna, the fire department will come in. We're going to bring our monitors in and to see what, if we have a faulty alarm. Or if uh, there is carbon monoxide, we're going to try to find the source of it. Mid-American comes out along w with us. Mm -hmm. uh, they have some other specialized equipment that they can get further into furnaces, water heaters, and things like that okay. to find out what the source is exactly. Great. Okay. And then the last thing I brought with you is some various candles here. Um, candles are great to have around the house. Um, problem being is obviously fire, open yeah. flame. Mm -hmm. um, the important thing is that you want to make sure that whenever you leave a room that you blow those candles out, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, also, candles that have a wide base, such as a candle like this, has a nice wide base. Um, but if I were to have this in my home, I would want to set it on something that's non-combustible, like a plate or even a specialized candle holder so that when the wax does drip off like you see here... Because that can be really hot. Absolutely, yep. Um, it could drip down and, and you know, it could whatever it's sitting on, it could ruin. So you want to make sure mm -hmm. that uh, you have them sitting on a 
nice, sturdy surface and away from anything that else is combustible. Could, could hot wax set something on fire? Um, if it ha was exposed to an open flame, mm -hmm. it could eventually. Um, and really, that's what burns when a candle is burning. You have the wick that basically the paraffin, the, wa the wax is being wicked up through that, and that's what's burning off the gas from the paraffin itself. Mm -hmm. So, And then the other type of candle here, a jar candle, uh, which is in glass, gives you a little extra added uh, protection uh, because typically you don't have that wax that comes off. Um, and a flame is somewhat contained inside the candle, mm -hmm. much more than just a typical candle like that. Uh, the, other, the other option now, too, are electronic candles. Um, they make electronic candles now that are battery-operated, that have a, a fake flame. That are um, really realistic, too. Very realistic, and they actually have a scent that's given off. Oh. Yeah. We got a scentless one and put it in our, our jack-o'-lantern this year, and it looked completely realistic. Yep. They work great, and they're safe. So a Halloween tip as well. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much for talking with me today. I appreciate you coming out and helping us all, everyone in Iowa City, be safer during the holidays and just all year round. And we appreciate the work that you do with the fire department as well. Thank you very much uh, for having us out, Mary. Um, we appreciate it, uh, the opportunity to come out and speak today. And, and hopefully... Uh, we gave some information that uh, we can help our citizens in Iowa City uh, and anywhere else uh, be much safer. Absolutely. So. I know I learned a lot. Great. watching City Channel 4 on TV, online, on demand, on Facebook, and now on the go on your mobile device.